This episode is brought to you by Atlassian. Atlassian software like Jira, Confluence, and Trello help power global collaboration for all teams so they can accomplish everything that's impossible alone. Because individually, we're great, but together, we're so much better. Learn how to unleash the potential of your team at Atlassian.com, A-T-L-A-S-S-I-A-N.com. Atlassian, tap the banner or visit this episode's page to learn more. The NBA playoffs are here. And we all know playoff mode is a thing. Listen to the evidence. Playoff crowds are going wild. Playoff players are lighting up the court. Even your speakers are in playoff mode. Okay, we'll take it down a notch, but just a notch, because this is the Turn It Up to 11 NBA Playoffs. Playoff mode is clearly a thing. The NBA Playoffs presented by Google Pixel continue on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast with your hosts, Kyle Borgannoni and Matthew Betts. Welcome in. It's week three. We're getting ready for the main slate for you. It's the Fantasy Footballers DFS Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Borgannoni, and I am joined, as always, by Matthew, citizen of Pity City Betts. Oh, yes, sir. And positive news on the injury front it looks like he is trending towards playing hopefully today he practices again for friday and he's in because i have him everywhere and i felt the loss last week without pity city so hopefully he's in there got the t-shirt on it's gonna be a great show you know as one of the founding fathers and someone that you know is near and dear to our hearts been near and dear to this podcast for a long time um it, it's a good thing and i want to start off by saying that pity city is just one of the first cities that we've gotten to establish in the Fantasy Footwash podcast. There's one that I've been toying with in Miami, especially after last week's call. I've seen this a couple times on Twitter, and uh, I've been sharing it with a couple of friends. But I'm calling Jalen Waddle and Tyreek Hill Yak City. And, I like it. I mean, yards after a catch, but I think it also plays with just the idea of, I mean, those they're the two opposite of yaks, uh, of the animal. And I just that just does something for me. So Yak City is what I'm calling Miami right now. Thoughts? I, I, I mean, I'm here for it, dude. Let's get it trending. Let's get the listeners on it. The more the merrier. So yeah, let's do it. I mean, we're going to talk about that game, Buffalo and Miami. We're going to talk about all the games on the main slate. We are going to talk about our cash lineups, some of our picks, prop it like it's hot. And then we have a special mailbag on this episode, including some fun AMA stuff, bets. You can give some parenting advice because at this point, how many months are you in? Uh, we're almost at four, three and a half. Oh, so you're a pro. Dude, we know everything. No big deal. You know exactly what, what, what to do. We're going to start this episode off with a quick question from John underscore Lockbauer. I asked a bunch of questions on Twitter and this one I got DM'd and I thought it was a good one. He actually won $600 last week in a tournament and said the DFS pass was super helpful, but he said, you've mentioned late swapping before. And I was hoping you could talk about it a little bit more on the podcast. So let's talk about late swap, what it is for people that aren't used to DFS lingo, and then talk about it in terms of cash. And then we'll also talk about it in terms of GPP. So what is late swap? Yeah, essentially, as the name implies, what you're trying to look at is the early slate versus the late slate. So if you're on the East Coast, the one o'clock games, they have the kickoff and the later games are at 405 or 425. And so, you know, you can't change what happens at one o'clock. Those players are already locked in your lineup. You can change your lineup. Uh, before a kickoff of the four o'clock game. So I always bring up examples like if you go into a late slate or the four o'clock window, let's say you played some really contrarian players in the in the one o'clock slate. Maybe it was on purpose. Maybe it's just how your lineup worked out. And those players failed. In the late window, if you have really chalky pieces, like let's pretend on this slate, um, I'm trying to think of a good example. Let's pretend Cooper Cup is going to be very popular this week. If you have him and your players early in the slate 
did horribly and you still play Cooper Cup, if he has a good game, you are getting nothing because everyone else also has him. And so the idea with late swap is that if things go south for you early in the slate, get off the chalk in the late window, even though it might be a quote unquote worse play. You know, if it's if you're right and Cooper Cup has a good game, like I said, you don't win anything. And so at that point, you're kind of just throwing up the white flag and not really trying anymore, essentially. But you can salvage your lineup if you try to get off of him and really just try to hope that contrarian pieces hit. That's kind of how I use late swap for the most part. And we we usually talk about this every single week that you need a pool of players that you can use. And I feel like part of our conversation that Betts and I always say is like, okay, here's my cash lineup on Sunday. But if things go south, here are the three or four players that I'm willing to switch off and, and to go. So make sure that when you create your cash lineup and you say, hey, I really like Amon Ra or I really like uh, a different wide receiver, you have two or three other wide receivers in that late window that you can actually use to swap off. So for me, it's just looking at the later slate and saying, who's going to be popular? We can identify that in our roster percentage report each week and say, hey, this is a very popular play. If I'm ahead in points, I don't switch, all right? Because I'm actually, the field's going to, I'm going to get to move with them. But uh, I would say the main spot to look at that is your flex spot. Make sure that it's flexible in the same way in redraft leagues. You want to keep it open. You want to keep your flex spot open. And I also love to do that. If I have a defense that is chalk in the late window, that is the easiest thing to be able to switch off of because we know how volatile they are. But I think what people are scared of is switching off of good plays. And I've done this before. I did this one time last year, remember? I switched off the normal plays thinking I was behind and it ended up being ahead of the people. So is there any rule of thumb in the early window? Maybe in DraftKings, like, hey, if you've got two or three flames in your lineup, like, don't get weird. Yeah, I don't think you have to. I, I really only use it personally when I'm behind and when I'm struggling and I really need to make up ground. So you need to understand if you're struggling and you played popular pieces, like maybe you don't switch because other people also might be struggling. But if you're playing contrarian early and you fail, like you're behind the eight ball to start. So you might as well get weird in the late window and try to make it up. That's kind of how I use it. I think for the most part, there's a lot more nuance to it, but it's hard to give specific examples because each slate kind of has its own context. But again, like I said, if you're struggling early, if you don't switch, you're pretty much waving the white flag anyway, so you might as well. In my week's uh, cash lineup review article, I'll try to include some late swap options that I was thinking through and that Bets and I would say. So that way it gives you a picture of, hey, here's the thought process. If things went south, here's what I want to do. Obviously, this week, things will be great because I've had two medium weeks, which means for you, it's probably going to be tough. I'm, I'm a little worried. Uh, <laughs> the variance is going to hit me hard. <laughs> I, I I don't think people are, they don't realize in DFS that that is really how it works, like in terms of the variance, in terms of what hits, in terms of I'm more of a contrarian player, that's my bend, and some weeks that looks awesome because I'm the person that's like, oh, I was on this game, no one else, and some weeks I get buried in tournaments because I didn't follow the crowd. There's so much, that's why we get to start over each week, that's why I love DFS, like there are plays on the site this week that I would never have cared about in best ball. But I do care about in this one-week sample size. So we'll talk about all of those. You can get our picks for DraftKings, for FanDuel, our roster percentage report, our projections, all of our premium articles in the DFS Pass. If you use DFS Pod as your promo code, you can save 10%. And we think that you can double, triple, I don't know, 60x your money like some listeners did this past week. So go to DFSPass.com if you want to be a part of it. But let's talk about our cash picks for week three. Straight cash, homie. I wanted to get really creative at quarterback this week. I was like on a mission and I started fumbling around with my lineup and I said, I can't see myself right now as of Thursday recording getting off one of these two quarterbacks. So are you in the same boat? It's either Josh Allen or Jalen Hurts. Yeah. And, you know, we can kind of save our time. There's not much to say about these guys. They are. Hashtag good at the game and elite for fantasy. And when you look at these two spots for both quarterbacks, they're actually really good on paper. And, you know, you've got Allen with the pass rate against Tua and their pass rate and the high total. Like, it just makes sense. He's pricey, 8.2K. So to me, that's the only negative is like it might be tough to jam him in there. But you literally can't book any holes in the spot for Josh Allen, who historically, by the way, 8.3% touchdown rate against Miami in his career. That is top notch. Um, and then Jalen Hurts, you know, leads the, the position in rushing rushing touchdowns number one graded passer by pff 
taking on Washington. We just saw them get destroyed by Jared Goff and Amon Ross uh, last week. So I like both. My early lean is just to play Hurst because he's cheaper. But if you have the money to get up to Josh Allen, by all means, go for it. I have Allen in my lineup right now. I was looking at Hurts and just in context, just trying to give people a definition of what kind of player you're dealing with. Like he has 28 carries through two games. All right. 28 carries is a top 12 number for running backs. That's like what you're getting. You're getting an RB1 type volume with somebody who's been super efficient as a passer in a really good matchup. So I can't poke any holes in either of those two. And right now I'm planning on paying up. Uh, I think that there's other places you can go. Kirk Cousins, Jared Goff, I think are two of our other favorites in that game. We'll highlight that one in a second. On FanDuel, I will be playing Jalen Hurts at 8.1. On DraftKings, I think it's a little bit different of a conversation because we have the bonuses in store and because the insane pass rate that Josh Allen has. But those are our quarterbacks that we like this week. You can get cute, but we're going to be paying up. Running backs is a different conversation. There are studs on this slate that are not showing up right now in our picks. So like no Jonathan Taylor. We're not saying Derrick Henry, not CMC. So where are you going this week? Yeah, it's tough because, you know, the last couple of weeks, like I feel like DK is kind of lagged behind in their pricing for quarterback. So it was easier to get up to those guys. Now we want to pay up for quarterback. And if you want to pay up for some of these wide receivers we want to talk about, you can't really pay up for everyone, obviously. So I feel like this week, the running back plays kind of in the mid range are pretty strong. I love Joe Mixon. We know the n- number one predictor of success at running back is volume, and he is leading the NFL in carries, running a ton of routes, setting career highs on pace anyway, uh, career highs in, in carries and targets, you know. So he's going to, I think, get there. 7.6K is kind of a lot, but dude, the Jets, if there's a get right spot for Joe Mixon in this offense, it is the Jets. We just saw what Nick Chubb did to them a week ago. So I like Joe Mixon there at 7.6K personally. Also throw out David Montgomery. I'm not a huge Monty guy, but what we know about him is that he just smashes in good matchups and struggles in bad ones. And Houston, as we know, is not a scary matchup by any means. He's 5.9K. And I think what we saw last week, he looked really good against Green Bay. And in my opinion, he's going to get a ton of volume in this spot. I hate the game environment. You know, they're just so afraid to like let Justin Fields do anything. But that means David Montgomery should touch the ball. So at below 6K, you could do a lot worse than David Montgomery. I'm probably going to have David Montgomery or Damian Pierce in my lineup. I'm not going to have both, but I'm probably going to pick one of those two. And yeah, right now it's Pierce just because he's cheaper. I think Montgomery's a better play. I think he should be priced another four or $500 more. So I, I can't argue in either of those. We love Leonard Fournette this week. His usage is elite. They're at home. They're favorites. And he's only 6.5. On FanDuel, it's wild because his usage... Like, he's being used like a top five back, but he's priced as the RB12 on FanDuel. So he's somebody that's in my lineup as well. Um, I think those are our favorites. I did want to ask you about Dalvin. It's one of those things where, in the footballer's projections this week, he's our RB1. Like, he's who we have set up, and people are complaining because they haven't seen it yet. In DFS, we don't care. If we haven't seen Dalvin get in the end zone yet, it means he's probably going to get in the end zone this week against one of the worst rush defenses in the league. Are you playing him at cash at 7.9? I think he's a really easy play on FanDuel, but in DraftKings, are you going to play him in cash? I don't think I am, and it's not because I think he's a bad play. I just think the way the pricing and everything works out, there's a couple wide receivers we're going to talk about I think are higher priorities, but it is Dalvin Cook week, and I absolutely want to play Dalvin Cook in GPPs right now. Looking at kind of early projections, we'll see what this happens on Friday through the weekend. But like I'm seeing him somewhere around like 10 to 14%. Pretty palatable for for GPPs. You're not sneaking it by anyone. But if you're going to get Dalvin around 10-ish percent, um, based off, I think, the trend of what people think of him now, I am absolutely going to take some shots on Dalvin Cook. We know his ceiling. The matchup with Detroit is incredible. And, you know, people are kind of looking at just what happened Monday night. But it wasn't like he didn't get volume week one. He saw 20 opportunities in that spot. So if you give me 18 to 20 opportunities against, you know, the the Lions, give me Dalvin Cook for sure. He only has one touch in the red zone. So I need to mention that. Like, he's going to get more opportunities here. This should be the game environment for it. I mentioned Aaron Jones, mispriced on FanDuel. Another one that I want to give people the confidence if you want to play him. But those are kind of our favorite running backs. Some value might open up later on in the week. We mentioned the Cardinals. And that might be a situation where you could look at it later. I wish that there were backfields that were sorted out a little bit more. We're going for backfields that have clear 
like 15 to 20 touches. That's why we mentioned Mixon, Dave Montgomery. I would say, and Fournette's definitely that. Would you say that Pierce, like, is 15 touches kind of what you're banking on? I think it's in the range of outcomes for him. My only worry with Pierce, and I am a little scared to play him in cash, is, you know, we have a small sample of him being the guy. If we thought it was going to be that in week one and he wasn't, in week two he was. And so maybe they go back to somewhere in the middle Kind of like what happened with the Rams, where Rex Burkhead gets a little bit more carries than what he had week before. And looking at the usage on third downs and on passing situations, it's always Rex Burkhead running the routes. So it's not that Pierce can't pay off his tag. He's so cheap. But if this game happens to be a situation where Houston falls from behind, um, I think the rug could get pulled out pretty quick from Damian Pierce. Yeah, you don't want to pick running backs on underdogs who are not projected to see passing down work. So I think you can poke holes in Pierce, but I just never thought I would be to the point of actually like, hey, here's all the reasons why I think he's good. Anyway, wide receiver, a couple of names on here that you've heard us talk about a lot. I'll let you start with the Monroe St. Brown. <laughs> I mean, what is there to say at this point? Like we're we're reaching levels of analysis that was Cooper Cup last year where it's like, have you seen what the guy has done? Just just play him. Um, it's unreal. And honestly, going back to week 13 last year, which is when the breakout happened, Points per game basis, he's outscoring every quarterback in the league, including Josh Allen, second to only Cooper Cup. So regression is going to hit this guy, I think, but I'm not going to shy away from it now in this spot against the the Vikings. So eventually it's going to come down for Amon Ra. At 7.2, he's still underpriced, I think, for the role, the usage, they're scheming him the ball. Talented wide receiver, so I'm going to play him at 7.2. You know, you saw that press conference, right, where he's talking about, you know, Diami Brown, who was our boy last year. <laughs> we yeah, I kind of liked him in best ball. <laughs> he didn't do anything. <laughs> and how do you think that rubbed me, seeing somebody who's like stone-cold look, as in I hate everyone? Like, how do you think that sat with me? Uh, not great. Not great no, I, I, I don't like players <laughs> like that. I get it. He's got that dog in him. And like, dude, you are taking this way too personally where it's like, like, just play the game. Have fun. You can be motivated. Anyway, so I, I know I have a history with him on Raw. Um, but are you going to play him? I'm probably going to play him. Okay. That's uh, all that matters. One more follow-up question about him. Is there a point where he's too expensive? Because his salary keeps going up every week. Yeah, I mean, and if he keeps performing, it's going to. Like, I think it's going to be shell shock if you log in next week and let's say he has a great game another 100 and a touchdown or something you log in and he's like 7.9 and he's a priced above like Tyreek and right around Steph Diggs like at that point you're going to be like hold on a second but at the same time last year and I'm not making the comparison that Cooper Cup but at the same time last year we kept saying he's too expensive he's too expensive and he just kept doing it so I don't know man I mean I'll keep playing him as it allows for lineup building but it is going to hit reach a point where I think you have to make a, a real decision he is breaking all regression and math models so yep <laughs> um, and he's getting the opportunity. We'll talk about that game in a second because the matchup is really good once again for him and the way that Jared Goff plays. Stephon Diggs will be the top play on the slate at wide receiver at 7.7 on DraftKings. That was set before the Monday night game. We talked about that on Tuesday. Is he in your cash lineup right now? He's a lock for me this week. If you don't play him, I do think it is a mistake. If Gabe Davis is healthy, is he still a lock? Oh, yeah. He still saw, uh, I think it was a 29% or 26% target share. I can't remember off the top of my head. In week one with Gabe Davis, this game environment looks like the best in the slate. So I'm playing him no matter what. If Davis plays, I think it'll be very interesting in GPPs to gain leverage off of Diggs. He doesn't have a great history against Miami and against Xavier Howard. I just want to bring that up as a counterpoint. But you can't poke holes in his projection and his price. He's showing up as the top points per dollar wide receiver. We still like Devontae Adams. I really like Mike Williams, especially if Keenan Allen sits at 6.7. I think that's solid against the Jaguars. I get that he's an up-and-down player, but I'd rather play Mike Williams at 6.7 than your boy Brandon Cooks at 5.8. Is that hate? A lot of hate? I mean, I love Mike Williams, and dude, last week, cover boy for the Thursday Night article in the DFS Pass. He went off. No big deal. So, yeah, we love him. The issue is just if Keenan plays, I don't think you can really go there and cash, so it's only if he's out. But at the same time, if he's out right now, the way things stand with the slate, there is almost no good value that's cheap right now. Like you're looking right now, if you if you set a lineup on Friday without the news, you'd be setting a lineup with like punt plays like Brashad Perryman. Like there's no one in the basement this week that you actually like. So if Keenan is out, I would prefer probably to save money with Josh Palmer than play Mike Evans. That said, Mike Evans is going to be an incredible play on a GPP basis. 
if the field is on Palmer instead of him. So I think he's an important name to monitor for Keenan Allen and for the roster percentage report. But, you know, I'm always taking shots on Mike Williams. Do we have any update on Hunter Renfro? Because I do want to give people a punt play name that I've mentioned. It's Matt Collins on DraftKings. He's 3,300. He's ran the second most routes. Wow, my voice definitely cracked there. (laughs) Matt Collins, second most routes on the Raiders. Um, right behind Devontae. So if Renfro was out, would you consider punting with your boy Mac, former Eagles great? Eagles great, no doubt. He and Nelson Eckler. Um, maybe. I just, I think honestly, it might open up like Josh Jacobs is a pretty strong play at 5,400. So I don't have a ton of interest in going there with, with Mac Hollins. He doesn't seem like a guy that I could trust, but I guess you could do worse. Again, the, the slate's pretty gross for the punt options. You're going to have to spin down somewhere. And, At tight end, there's some options that we like. Irv Smith, I think, is our top one right now at 3.1. I mentioned Kylan Granson. I'm not – Pity City looks like he's coming back, so I don't really like that one. Evan Ingram, 3.7, is seeing targets, and the Chargers gave up the most fantasy points to tight ends last year. So Evan Ingram's interesting. Tyler Higby, dude is killing it in terms of snaps, routes, targets per outrun, all of those things. That's kind of in that middle tier. But is this a week where you're probably going to spin down way down at tight end? Oh, yeah. I think you have to, honestly, because the the plays at the top for for quarterback and wide receiver are so strong that it's really tough to pay up for someone like a Mark Andrews, who we know has the ceiling. It's just tough on the slate. So for cash, I like Big Irv, 3.1K. I mean, did see eight targets last week. He was kind of eased in in week one, and hopefully that role continues to grow. In general, you hear us talk. We like like the game environment. We'll talk positively about Detroit and Minnesota. The tricky thing is you can't play all these guys. You'd have to pick your spots. I think Irv is going to be popular in cash. He's an interesting fade in tournaments because I think he do, he will be pretty popular. But at 3.1K, if you're looking to punt it off, I think he's totally fine. Hunter Renfro was not at practice on Wednesday. We're still getting some other reports. But, um, man, I've never never been searching the web so much for Matt Collins news. It's uh, <laughs> it's hot DFS stuff. turns you into an absolute sicko. It is weird, the kind of stuff that you search for. Uh just like oh who's this player and i need to know their backup and here's this other stuff uh kelsey on Fanduel, i think still projects really well if you want to spend up 7.8 their mid tier though has a lot of options and just so you know the tight end landscape always is bad but once you get past the top 10 options it's really really bad so find players that are on the field all the time that's why i like higby 96 percent snap rate let's finish with dst before we get into the games we want to stack who are your favorite picks so far? Yeah, there's no one that's like really, really far down there. Like last week, the 2200 Bengals, that was an easy pick. I like in that kind of like lower tier, but not quite down that far. The Raiders, uh, 2.5 against Tennessee. Tennessee looks awful. They have arguably the worst wide receiver room currently. I think Traylon Burks can be good, but right now what they have is not great. Derrick Henry can't move the football. Their offensive line is in shambles. They just lost Taylor Lewan. So it's all bad for Tennessee. So give me the Raiders, Chandler Jones, and, and Max Crosby there with the pass rush. I think you could do a lot worse than them at 2.5. Yeah, we hope Jones comes back this week. He didn't play against the Cardinals. Uh, the The Titans have the lowest graded pass blocking grade of any team in the league for PFF. So Ryan Tannehill, when, you, when it turns into a turnstile, where you can just run at him, create pressure. No one can really get open. I think that's a really strong play. They're two-point road favorites, so that's a good one. I'll throw out Seattle against my Falcons at home. Seattle's been stout, or at least they've they've played in a way where it's like, oh, this is a defense that is actually going to keep them in games, and Atlanta shouldn't scare you at all. So Seattle at 2.7. And then I want to throw out your Eagles on the road against Carson Wentz. There's a lot of narratives at play, but their price is palatable. Are they more of a GPP play for you? Because I feel like they are a high-risk, high-reward team on defense if you're playing them because turnovers could be abound with Carson Wentz. So any thoughts on the Eagles? Yeah. I mean, if you got the salary to get up to them, I think they're okay. I personally won't be playing them in cash just because like I said, you know, 400 bucks or 300 bucks in the slate goes a very long way. And at defense, I'm always just looking to spend as little as possible to get a solid play. So not for me in cash, but you know, in tournaments, I don't think they're going to be very popular. So if that's the case, then fire away because we know roster percentage and salary has almost no correlation with, with defensive performance. You're telling me that you don't want to play that Jalen Hurts QB plus uh, Eagles defense stack? <laughs> checking the data, checking the math. Uh, no, not not a great correlation. Yeah. So I will de- say, actually, 
Miles Sanders, a GPP with the Eagles defense. Now we're talking. Okay, well, I'm into that. He was Mike's start of the week this week, so I'm all about that. All right, let's take a quick break and then talk about the games we want to stack. The NBA playoffs are here, and we all know playoff mode is a thing. Listen to the evidence. Playoff crowds are going wild. Playoff players are lighting up the court. Even your speakers are in playoff mode. Okay, we'll take it down a notch, but just a notch, because this is the Turn It Up to 11 NBA Playoffs. Playoff mode is clearly a thing. The NBA Playoffs presented by Google Pixel continue on ABC, ESPN, TNT, and NBA TV. You and I get to talk about a couple of games each week, and I had to narrow it down this week. I had to narrow it down. I wanted to talk about five or six games. We're only going to talk about four. In the DFS pass, we have a pace play article that I write that was, it was my baby this week. I spent a lot of a lot of time with that thing. So if you want all the insight, if you want the pace play metrics, our GPS, or game pace score, uh, you can get all of that in the DFS pass. But let's talk about these games. You down with GPP? First game we're going to talk about is the Detroit Lions at the Minnesota Vikings. Both teams are 1-1. One and one. The DraftKings Sportsbook line is Minnesota minus 6, and the over-under is a juicy 53. So, we love this game. We like that it's in a dome. We like that it has the highest total. You obviously love Amon Ra. I love Dalvin Cook. I know you've always been a Dalvin guy, but I'm over the moon for Dalvin this week. How can we use this game that we think is going to be super popular and how do you want to stack it? And then maybe I'll throw out some ways to get different. Yeah, like I said, at the top of the show, I think the general idea around lineup building this week is going to be to try to pay up for some of these kind of 7K-ish wide receivers. So if you want to be contrarian and try to get up to someone like Justin Jefferson, I think it's a great idea in this in this spot. We took the over on his re- uh, receiving yards. That's already long gone. I think it was like 95 and a half. I saw it at 98 and a half today. Historically, he crushes you know, at home and he crushes the Lions. And so I like betting on a bounce back spot, not only for Justin Jefferson, but I think Kirk Cousins stacks are pretty interesting. His home road splits are pretty strong. He's also a guy that we know can get streaky and throw for 303. And so I don't mind just getting a stack of Kirk Cousins and the Vikings here against the Lions, dude, they, they give it up to everyone and, and it creates these back and forth affairs. So that's why we love this game. Um, I will have exposure to Dalvin as well. We already talked about him. You've got a stat in here that I'll let you go and read off of, but basically he's due for touchdowns. So I'm going to play this game in a couple ways if I'm playing multiple lineups. Maybe it's a Kirk double stack. Maybe it's a mini with Dalvin and Amon Ra, but I love this game and I really want to play multiple pieces from it. Yeah, Dalvin's due for some touchdowns in a major way in in terms of over the last two years, uh, what we've seen. So I've had some discussions about Dalvin because I think people think he's washed. My question for like DFS purposes, can you double stack where you're doing Cousins, Cook, and then you're adding another piece? Like it's really expensive if you're adding Jefferson in, but you know, a, a cheaper piece like Thielen or Irv Smith, is that something that you're interested in? I don't think I'll go there on Irv. It makes sense because he's so cheap, but I think he's going to be somewhere around like 16 to 20%. Yeah, he'll somewhere be popular. There. So, and anytime a popular tight end that's not like Kelsey Andrews, is one that I'm really scared to play in tournaments because we know the floor is like literally two catches for 20 yards. So if that's what the field wants to do, I will not be playing that. Um, but it is expensive to get all those pieces in there. Like if you if, if you did go, you know, Kirk and Dalvin and Justin Jefferson. That said, if there is a game that's going to go off on paper, this looks like the spot based off what Detroit has done. And like they can answer back and push teams as we saw with the Eagles and we saw last week as well. So um, I don't hate it. I think it's going to be a pretty contrarian build to get all those pieces in one lineup. Yeah, I will be playing some lineups because I think people, if they're going to approach this, they're going to go Cousins and they're going to pick one of the wide receivers. Probably going to pick Jefferson um, or, or Thielen. Maybe they think they're going to get cute with Thielen. I'd rather be able to get a double stack in there with a team that already has a 29.5 team implied total. Let's say one of those receiving touchdowns goes to Dalvin. I like Cousins in this spot. I think it's really great. I will be underweight on Jared Goff because of the way I think the field is kind of banking on him being a quarterback one again. Um, there's just the shoe's going to drop with the Lions in terms of their efficiency, in terms of Jared Goff having four touchdowns. 
That's not going to happen every single week. I love DeAndre Swift. It does scare me because I don't know if I'm going to get the quite the workload, but he's been insanely efficient. Ten and a half yards per touch is video game numbers type of things. So is it as simple as saying I'm going to go Cousins, maybe a double stack, and then just pick Swift or Amon Ra? I think it is. And I think what you should do with this situation is probably play multiple lineups and kind of do those two scenarios like we talked about because someone I think has success in this spot for Detroit. It's easy to talk about Amon Ra. We just did for cash. So he'll be popular. The best leverage play, maybe on the slate, in my opinion, is just to go to DeAndre Swift because right now I'm seeing him at uh, 3% in the report, up to 5%. If that's going to hold, which I'm not sure it will, but if that's going to hold, um, you could easily talk me into a mini of DeAndre Swift and Justin Jefferson and, and move on or something like that. But yeah, the bottom line is like, we love all these guys. <laughs> like, Just play this game. I think this game is going to set up really, really well. I was nodding my head because I thought we were on the same page. We are not. Oh. Because I think one of the best plays on the slate is TJ Hawkinson in a GPP. Say it with me. No? <laughs> no, I can't. I can't. I, I'm looking right now. I have him right now for uh, for 14%. I don't want TJ Hawkinson <sighs> at a 14%. Dang it. Dang it. See, I, I, I didn't think I was getting cute, but I, I thought people were over this enough. So we'll see when our roster percentage numbers final finalize. But I feel like people are not going to click the button the same way. He's a good value. At his price point, I just know people, they're going to find other players in that 4K range, the Tyler Higbees, you know, the, the Zach Ertz. They're going to try Kyle Pitts. I feel like Hawkinson is going to come in a little lower, but maybe I'm a crazy man. No, I think, I mean, I personally don't want to play him. So I imagine a lot of people also <laughs> feel the same way. So that number does feel high. Make sure you're checking what's in the DFS pass to get the final report on that. But yeah, I mean, if the field's on it, no, thank you. If the field's off of it, then I think it is interesting, especially because we know Irv Smith will be popular, so he'd be a direct uh, you know, pivot in the tight end spot. I'm going to cover this wide receiver cornerback matchup in the article because both of these units are struggling and that there's options, especially in the middle for Amon Ra. Like the way that the Vikings, Ed Donatel's their defensive coach, the way that they do their coverage is two single high safeties, and you can just eat that up in the middle. If Jared Goff... When Jared Goff was a Ram... He never recognized those things, so he would just throw to the sidelines over and over and over again. This is a different Jared Goff who's basically just eating up the middle with Amon Ra. So keep that in mind. Uh, I'm not really looking at DJ Chark. I wish KJ Osborne was more of a thing, but anything else in this game? Uh, No, I think we hit it. All right, give me your Vegas pick. I'm going over, over 53. I will as well. I wanted to take the Vikings in the points, but I know this team... And uh, they're kind of like the Chargers, right? They just, when you think you have them, they're going to, you know, put up a ton of points. They're going to make it too close for comfort. So I will take the over as well. Next game is probably the game that people want to see the most. Buffalo Bills at the Miami Dolphins, both 2-0. The line is 52.5, and and Buffalo is a six-point road favorite. That is an interesting line, considering what we've seen from Miami, but maybe Buffalo is that good we love this game. Everything says we should love this game. Right now, my game pay score, it has a four and a half, which I usually don't give out. A five is a perfect score. So a five would be like if we're getting Chiefs and Bills. This game has four and a half because of the pass rate over expectation metrics. Everything we love from Tua so far. Everything we love from Mike McDaniel. Is it going to be too popular? I mean, we know Josh Allen's going to be popular. We know Steph Diggs is going to be popular. So automatically, I think if that's the case, people might just, if they're hand-building, be like, oh, I want that stack. Let me throw in a, a Waddle or a Tyreek. And I do fear it could be in that situation. So I do want to see what's happening in the roster percentage report. That said, on paper, there's really nothing you can say negative about the spot for either team. And really, I want to give people a little confidence in Miami. Not because I think they're truly as good as they've been the last two weeks, but Mike McDaniel, our king, has shown... He's not afraid to literally not run the ball at all when they get down. Whereas other coaches, they stick to their philosophy and they run the ball. Like it has turned into such a high scoring affair when they have to throw. And when you have guys like Waddle and and Tyreek, because of the ability for them to top off the defense and create plays with the ball in their hands, it's going to elevate the game environment as a whole. And, and I say that all the time. We want to chase those types of players. So I'm going to let the field kind of dictate this situation. I came into the, the show today ready to say I'm going to fade it. But then I was thinking about it because when you look at the metrics for Buffalo, their defense is so good, you know, yada, yada. But like 
It's only two weeks. Tennessee's horrible, so their numbers are inflated. And they're dealing with some major health issues in the secondary. You know, we had that scary injury Monday Night Football to Dane Jackson. Can't see him playing. Uh, Trey White's still on PUP, recovering from the ACL. Micah Hyde and Jordan Poyer didn't practice today. So if those guys are out against this secondary, we saw what they did to a banged-up Ravens secondary. It might be a good spot to go to. You just have to figure out how you're going to get different elsewhere in your lineup. We'll have to monitor those practice reports because the one thing we've seen about Tua is he hasn't been pressured that much. Only 26% of his dropbacks have been considered pressured. That's fourth fewest by all quarterbacks. When he is pressured, though, his ADOT drops a ton to only 5.5. That was the tool we got last year, the conservative one, you know, not the same play call. And then what Miami's doing is they're having so much pre-snap motion. It's really encouraging to see from a DFS perspective. I would think that I will be off Tua this week because of the groundswell of, of, of excitement people have. And I just think you're not, you're not going to be able to repeat last week at all. That's not happening. And if people, if he's that much more popular, then I don't gain the same leverage. Like, I don't know what two is showing up last week. He was like three or 4% in tournaments, but he's going to be more popular this week. Right? Uh, let me pull it up. I'm seeing 5%. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's not that much. It kind of depends on what the stacks end up being. If you look at Tyreek and Waddle. So if you combine those two percentages and they're above, I don't know if they're, they're around 20%, then I'm probably off. Those are the kind of things you need to take in mind. I think it's really simple. Allen Diggs or Allen Gabriel Davis, or I think Dawson Knox, if he plays, is interesting, but I know he has a foot injury, and then you just pick one of the Yak City bros, right? Yeah. I mean, I think if if Gabe Davis plays, he's a really interesting leverage piece just because, dude, all he does is score touchdowns, and we know that that can really accelerate fantasy scoring. And if Josh Allen is going off, presumably it's two, these two guys, Diggs and Davis, Knox for me is a tough sell. I know that the matchup is pretty good because Miami's allowing so many targets, but he just hasn't really shown an ability to earn targets. And last year, Knox was viable in DFS because he was just catching touchdowns. It's such a tricky thing to predict. So like on paper, it doesn't set up well, but if you want to correlate him with Josh Allen, obviously you could do a lot worse. The running backs in this game, I thought about it and going, oh, there's a way to get cute in this game. What if I told you that none of these running backs, not Singletary, not Moss, not James Cook, not Raheem Mostert, not Chase Edmonds. None of those five running backs have seen a touch inside the 10 yet. So what are we, I mean, that's the thing. Like, what are we looking for? I'm looking for Singletary, who's getting the snaps, to score a touchdown and to get me 20-plus points. And I think that's a really hard thing to ask. That's the only person I that I feel semi-confident of those five. Is that how you feel? I feel absolutely zero confidence in either of any of these players. <laughs> I'm not playing the running backs personally, but I, I mean, the field's not going to play it. So if you think that's a wrong take, then take your shot. But yeah, I'm not playing the running backs. I was writing about Josh Allen. So he's 7-1 and one versus Miami. He's averaging at least three total touchdowns per contest against them. And Buffalo ranks number one in pass rate over expectation. They have the lowest pressure rate. So think about this. You're getting the best fantasy quarterback who runs near the goal line because the running backs don't get any touches. And he throws an absurd rate inside a clean pocket. It's like there's literally nothing you could pick apart from him from a projection standpoint. So uh, I will take Josh Allen, and I will take the six points. It does kind of feel like a trap to take the six points, but they're so good, man. I'm going to I'm gonna lay it too. Give me Buffalo minus I, six. I wish I, I'm not putting money on this, but if I actually knew those practice reports and I knew that their safeties were fine, I knew they were going to get a little bit more healthy than I would feel even better. If Gabe Davis was playing even better with that. Because uh, do you know who their wide receiver two was in snaps on Monday night? Jake Kumaro? Yeah, your boy. Elite. Your boy, Jake Kumaro. All right. We're going to race through these last two games. Los Angeles Rams at the Arizona Cardinals. I think this is a game that I'm a little bit more higher on than you. Um, and it's a 48 and a half total. So it's actually been bet down. And the Rams are three and a half point road favorites we're still talking about the cardinals is that a mistake on this podcast oh man they just they keep showing up because their game totals are so high because their defense hasn't been great but i do think one of these weeks it's going to click for kyler and the offense i don't know when it's going to happen but i know it's going to happen at some point the options are kind of clear like you're going to play cup hollywood projects really really well and then we like both tight ends. I would say we like Higby more than Ertz, but Ertz is going to be super necessary. 
He's going to be a part of this, and his price is great. I just like Kyler in a spot where I think he's going to show up way lower. So I think it's as simple as you take Kyler and you find one other piece, if it's Hollywood or Zach Ertz, and you bring it back with Cup. I think this is a really easy spot to find success, um, and we know how bad the secondary is for the Cardinals. So that's kind of where I'm at from just a simplicity standpoint. you have any other thoughts? I like that aspect of it. I also just want to give people some confidence in the Cardinals, and that sounds scary to even say out loud to myself. But we always think of the Rams, and Jalen Ramsey as just so, so good, right? Like, okay, Josh Allen, he beats up on everyone, but they got destroyed in week one. Week two, they almost won the game, Marcus Mariota and the Falcons, against the Rams. Like, they're not stopping Yeah, we teams. almost did. Yeah, that's what they do. They almost win games, and then they lose. Um, they're not stopping teams the way that we think they are. So... If the field assumes the Rams are going to dominate in this game, like Kyler Sacks are pretty interesting, especially because at his price point, people are going to want to play Jalen Hurts over him for just a few more hundred dollars. And he's kind of getting lost this week. So in the GPP, I'm happy to take shots on it. We know Cliff Kingsbury can always pull the rug out from us. But, you know, if the field is off of it, I think you take your shots in tournaments. Both games last year hit over the 50 total of these two. And yeah, let me give you some other numbers. The Rams have allowed the second most points per drive in the league and the highest early down success rate. So if James Conner's not healthy, I think that our projections are going to have to change a little bit because of you know how much he matters. But I, I really like Kyler in this spot. I think he's, a, he's an underrated target. So I, I'm trying to simplify it in this game. I'll still take the Rams because I always will bet against the Cardinals. But uh, I, think, I think this game could be better and, and sneakier than what people think. So give me your Vegas line. Yeah, I'm also going to lay it with the Rams minus three and a half. All right, last game. We're going to talk about your Eagles. I guess we have to because we don't get to talk about my Falcons that much. Fly Eagles fly at the Washington Commanders. Eagles are six and a half point road favorites. This line has changed from earlier today. But the total, what's the total at right now? I have 47 in here. Is that still the total? That's what I saw before we started recording. Okay. Eagles games have averaged the second most combined snaps and everything we've seen so far for fantasy from Carson Wentz says that we should get more. Is there reason to worry about the Washington side though? Has there ever been a reason to worry about Carson Wentz? The answer is yes. <laughs> Always. Um, I don't think this is who Carson Wentz actually is from a fantasy perspective or from a real life perspective, the ability to battle back the way he has. He just hasn't struggled or hasn't succeeded, excuse me, in his career when he's been put in obvious comeback situations. So if you think the Eagles get out to a lead in this one, on paper, it makes sense that Carson Wentz would throw a ton. But the Philly D has been really solid. We saw it on Monday night and in week one as well. They've been getting giving it up on the ground a little bit. But the secondary, I think, is tough to pick on. And Wentz, we know, you know, like just to get narrative perspective here. Like, this is probably in his mind. Like, I'm going against my former team. I want to play well. And whenever the field assumes Carson Wentz is going to be good, I would be happy to bet against that. So, like I said at the top of the show, we talked about defense. I think the Eagles' D and correlating it with Miles Sanders is really a way to get leverage off Carson Wentz stacks and off of Jalen Hurts is going to be very popular. Yeah, I I have a pretty much, a not a full fan of the commander's side. I think you can always bring it back with somebody like Curtis Samuel. I like Terry McLaurin, too. But... Man, Wentz has been blitzed more than any other quarterback in the league, probably because like all those defensive coordinators say, like, okay, we saw what he did last year with the Colts and how he crumbled under pressure. But so far this year, he's actually done really well. And so I will go on the side of math and history when it comes to Carson Wentz and bet against him. With that being said, if we don't love the commander's side, is this a game that's a trap for people to stack? I don't think so on the Eagles side. Like I feel pretty confident the Eagles are actually going to do well in this spot. I talked about it on the show Tuesday. They're the team that I answered with that I think is going to hit their implied total. So I think they're going to have success. This is one of those spots where I don't think you have to really do a full stack. You know, if you wanted to play a one-off piece like a Miles Sanders or just an AJ Brown or something like that, that's fine. Or if you wanted to stack with Jalen Hurts, I don't think you have to run it back with someone on Washington in the spot. We love the Eagles because of what they're doing in neutral situations, their neutral pass rate. I mean, I got to give Hurt some credit. Like, he's looked like a different quarterback. He looks controlled. Like, he doesn't look scared. doesn't look like he has to run every single play, even though you're getting 14 carries a game. So, yes, what's your take on this game? I mean, is there ever a doubt? It's got to be the Eagles minus 6.5. Come on. That's a lot of points. I think it will be bet up to 7. 
So if it was bet up to seven, I will take the commanders with the points. Uh, but I will take the under. That's what I'll, that's what I feel better about. I like it. All right. Let's talk about our favorite props for this week. Prop it like it's hot. You can find all of our props available in the DFS pass. Matthew gets to add those every single day. And we notify a lot of people, especially on our discord channel. If you want to join our Discord channel, you go to jointhefoot.com and be a part of our premium DFS and premium prop channels. Bets, hit me with your favorite prop right now. This is always scary, but as you know, it's not something in Vermont, so we got to fade Derrick Henry. I'm taking under 94.5 rushing plus receiving yards, minus 115, found this on DraftKings. I always like doing this with running backs that don't catch the football very much. Like You'll see the line inflated for rushing plus receiving versus just the rushing, but He's seen one target through two games, and they can't run the football, especially now with Taylor Lewan out. 31st in EPA per rush, 31st in explosive rush rate, 31st in DVOA rushing. Meanwhile, Las Vegas, 6th in adjusted line yards on defense. So that's a tough spot for Derrick Henry. He can rip off an 80-yard run, of course, any week, and you, this could look silly. But I just think from how they're playing and, and what the trend is, under looks like the right play for me. Dude, I, I need people to understand how big of a deal the snow model is. Oh, it's, in the middle of- it's everything. I mean, I got a question that I was going to do in our mailbag. It says, is someone keeping tabs in Vermont? And then Jason today on the main show, just in the middle of us discussing Raiders and Titans, he just asked the question. He asked me, hey, Kyle, is it snowing in Vermont? And I could tell Andy was like, what are you? Why are you asking this question? <laughs> and I had got to look up the weather and it is not supposed to snow there. So I will just for listeners, I will be boots on the ground next week in a wedding back in Vermont. I'm going back a little weekend away. So I'll be able to report back with confidence, but right now it looks a little rough for the Eddie. Dude. I, I like that. I like that. This show is going beyond just normal analysis. We have real people going to other States to figure out what the weather's like that affects other States. There, there's not many other podcasts out there that you'll find that. So I appreciate you attending your friend's wedding for the podcast. I'm assuming that's why you're going It's just for the podcast. Obviously, for you guys, I'd do anything for you. In the same game, I'm going to take Devontae Adams, our boy, over 77.5 receiving yards, what I took out of earlier. It's already moved up to 79.5, so you know what that means. I'm moving the lines. I'm shaking it. I'm throwing Obviously. thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars, not at this prop, but uh, you know, I did, I did already go in. I think it's a great spot. We saw the fact that Tennessee was annihilated on Monday night by Stephon Diggs. Christian Fulton was their cornerback that was out this past week, but I don't care who it is. Nobody's covering Devontae Adams, especially after a granny touchdown last week. I think he's in store for more volume, especially if Hunter Renfro misses. So I like Devontae Adams a lot this week. But yes, we will continue to add props over the weekend. But let's get in the mailbag. Mailbag. You can send in your questions at Kyle underscore Borg or at the Fantasy PT. My favorite question that I saw in our thread for this week was someone who just wanted to share about their home league and they wanted to talk about that. somebody's <laughs> girlfriend. And I, I saw, I was like, you know, this is a DFS question. Like this is what we're going for. So, um, yeah, keep them short, keep them concise and they get answered best in discord. So I'm going to take the first one from discord from TD Westlow. He's got a Baltimore Orioles logo, which if it's baseball, of course I'm going to pick it out. Baseball is awesome. Um, Here's a question. Is the primary benefit of head-to-head games versus 50-50 is that you're just miss if you're missing the cash line you may still come close even in the head-to-heads. Is it beneficial to play a lot of head-to-heads rather than a few to get on the right side of variance? So why don't you explain why we like both but what what does head-to-head give you that 50-50s don't? Yeah, I think it does help you to add a little safety to your bankroll management mostly because it helps you to mitigate some variance, you know. So like if you're playing let's say like in two or three just 50-50s and double-ups, you probably are going to win all of them or lose all of them, and you could be coming away with an all-or-none situation. But if you play that plus, let's say, 20 head-to-heads and you only win like eight of them, like it's not a great week, but it helps you like recoup some of the losses that you had. So I think it just helps with the variance. I play a lot of volume head-to-heads because it does help with that situation. The less you play, the more likely you're going to have variance, just kind of the nature of sample sizes. But I do think they're a good add-on to your cash game management and if you're a gpp player too you can play and it helps you mitigate some of the losses i think it really helps me when i'm getting towards the end of the of the day 
to look on Sunday what other people are playing. Like I get to look at these other lineups of real people in head-to-heads and say, oh, well, this is a pretty good lineup construction. Like I, I understand what they did there. Or you see a lot of people like, oh, that was just a straight chalk lineup and here's how I got different. But for me, it does help mitigate your losses. It gives you a better gauge. Last week in head-to-heads, I hit 46%. We want to hit 50%. So in my double-ups, I didn't hit the cash line last week because of Trey Lance. But in my head-to-heads, I did 46%. So I was actually able to recoup some losses and be able to give myself a standard. So in my cash lineup article, I post my head-to-head percentages. And when I look back, that's kind of where I get to see like, oh, did I have a good week? So like week one, I hit 65%, you know, or if I hit 80%, whatever it is, it gives me a really good gauge on what to do. So that's why we do that. Next question is from Jordan Showalter. Why are there no drums in the intro music and drops on the DFS pod, but there is on the main show? And this is a really simple answer for me. Oh, what is it? You're not in studio. I'm laying down everything else live for the people. I mean, I know people think that Mike, Mike does it. But I can't do drums the same time I do guitar, everything else. I even like do the vocals sometimes uh, of just, you know, every part of it. But you're not here. No, I know. And it's very impressive. I wish people could see it. I will give a little tease because in December, there will be a day where Betts and I not only meet face to face for the first time in real life, but we will actually be recording in the studio together. So, I mean, I think it's week 14 off the top of my head. Mark your calendars. I mean, clear clear your schedules right now. I don't even know nothing. You tell your family today. Say, hey, I cannot do something because these people are recording a podcast in Arizona face-to-face, and it matters. All December. Just clear the whole calendar. Sorry, honey. Christmas is canceled. I, I can't be there. I got to make sure I'm available to, to listen to this show. Here's what I want somebody to do and get back to me. I want you, when you hear this, to go to, to someone else, your spouse, whoever, and just go up to them like, did you know that Borg and Betts are going to meet in person? And give no context. Just say that <laughs> and see how your spouse responds. They're like, that's who cares? Yeah, they're going to uh, say, what? Who is that? And then you'll have to give a whole like the explanation. It'll be great. Oh, they'll love it. They'll love it. They'll be big time listeners. They love it. Uh, next question is from Minnesota Twins, 1991. Great handle. That was the year they beat my Braves. Uh, so throwing that out there. Question from Discord is what strategy goes into single entry for you? And he specifically wanted to ask you, Bets, because you're a single entry player. Do you max out and create or create a different lineup for each one? Yeah. So if I'm playing, like, let's say, for example, three different contests and they're all single entry, um, I'm not going to play the same lineup in all three. I want to try to embrace volatility and get different and get exposure to different stacks. So last week, for example, I played, I think, uh, five lineups that were single entry. I had two of them that were two of stacks. Obviously, that paid off really well. The other ones didn't. And and I think the reason that you do that is because it helps you to get access to different uh, situations and game environments that if you do find the one that hits, you aren't just stuck, you know, with nothing in your lineup. Like you get exposure to high uh, value situations that way. So I play, you know, like three to seven or eight lineups, depending on what's going on with my life and the situation with, with the slate. But I never enter the same lineup in the same single entry contest. He also asked a follow-up question, who is the best pickleball partner and why? And That's for you. That is for me. I will say that my favorite pl- person to play with is probably Jeremy, a.k.a. Al Borland, and then Schneider, who's uh, on our development team, website guy. Those are my two favorites. We mesh really well. Andy is by far the best player when he's on. He's tall. His reach is really annoying. But I will say that when I'm teamed up with Jeremy or Schneider, we're pretty... One of those two, I'm pretty unstoppable. And I've been on a run the last like two weeks. So you know just what I'm saying. saying. Just, just, I saying. just I'm, I'm just trying to say. Also, when you're here, Bets, you'll get to play pickleball with us, right? I've never played before in my entire life. Dang it. I wanted to put something on the line. Yeah. No, not yet. Okay. Maybe if we play like the first day, I get used to it. And like by the third day, I can. I can put oh, yeah. On. You'll be fine. Well, you can be on my team. How about that? All right. Perfect. I'm in. Next question from Austin FFL. How does your strategy change if you play in super low stakes contests, like a dollar entry, single entry, or even like the nickel or dime 20 max compared to higher stakes? So do you change your strategy at all in those? I guess it's a difficult question to answer because I don't play a ton in those situations. Like I play in some of the stuff that's like 
10, 12, 20 bucks kind of thing. I'm not like a guy that's playing $500 slates, uh, but I play in some that are upwards of like 50 or something like that. So I'm kind of in the middle zone, I guess you could say. So for me, I do know though, if I play in those higher dollar contests, the field is generally sharper. They're going to condense around the quote unquote best plays and they understand leverage better than I think a lot of people do in the smaller stake stuff. In the smaller stake stuff, you're going to get people that are just trying it out for the first time or you know, not taking it as seriously. So they'll probably just click on the names that they like that fit their lineup the best and they don't really be, be mindful of correlation but you will see in higher dollar stuff everyone knows to stack everyone knows to bring it back and all that sort of situation so that's kind of a i think it's it's trickier in those in those spots i think it just matters about your field size like that's where where i changed my strategy based on is this a single entry with like is this the hundo which a lot of people i would encourage you to do the hundo it's like 100 people you can do different price points that is a good small field thing that you can do single entry that gives you a gauge of you know what you think the field's going to do in like a 20 max then yeah i'm going to do what i always tell people which is pick three quarterbacks and then figure out the stacks around them so last week you and i basically said hey i'm going to do two on lamar and then i'm going to throw out one more mine was joe burrow last week one of those is probably not going to work out each week but if you hit the money one then the combinations you and i had around two and lamar were good enough to get over what the field was doing and that helped me from my cash losses a lot because I had a lot of two of double stacks and that one felt really good. So it just kind of matters how many people are you playing with? Like don't get weird in a field that has 2000 people in it. Like you don't need to do that. But if you're getting a hundred thousand, if you're one of those contests, then yes, you need to. Next question. I got like three or four of these about bankroll. I think people are at this point where they have stacks on stacks on stacks from last weekend and they are just <laughs> print money illegally printing money and, and they don't know what to do with it. So here's, I have a couple of bankroll questions that we'll get into before rapid fire. I'd love to hear each of you lay out what percentage of your bankroll you spend each week and how you allocate it. And then another follow-up from Jared Peasley said, would you mind going over bankroll management? I had a great week too, and I don't want to blow it all. Definitely don't blow it all because as we say, and we don't want to be negative, but like you're going to lose. Like that's just what happens in DFS. Kyle loses. I lose. Not saying on the year, but like there are weeks where you will lose. We're all and losers. <laughs> you guys are such losers. Um, it will happen. And I think if you're not able to manage your bankroll successfully, that's when you get burnt out and you get frustrated and either you chase your losses or you just stop playing DFS. And we don't want that for you guys. So I see some general recommendations out there that are people are like, oh, play 30%, play 40%. It really depends on what your comfort level is and your historical success rate. If you're just new to this, maybe play like 10%, maybe 5%. If you've been playing for a while and you understand how you're doing in DFS over the course of multiple seasons, it's okay probably to push it to 30 or 40. I personally play like 10 to 15% even still. I'm not unloading the clip every single time I play a slate. And part of that reason too is like over the course of time, as you play more, you will start to identify which slates you have a bigger edge on. Last week, I felt super strong about the edge we could create on that slate. I'm going to be honest with people, this week, I'm a little worried about the slate in terms of how I play and what I'm looking at. So I might play later this week than I did last week. And, and that just kind of comes with a week to week basis. Yeah, I know my weaknesses and I would say I'm not great at showdown. I, I think that there's too many combinations in my mind, like math wise, like I just, it breaks me to think about all the different one game scenarios. Although I, I'll, I'll tease in a second. I did throw out a really fun showdown game this week that I'm excited to, to throw out to the people in ballersdfs.com. I generally will play less than 33%. That's my rule. I like to play people. So about a quarter. You you said you were what, like 15 to 20%? Around 15, yeah. yeah. I'm like 25, 33% is kind of where I max. I would say over 40% is probably too much, but it depends on your goals. Like if this is just fun money, do whatever you want to. I'm not I'm not your daddy. But <laughs> in general, I would oh, say... I that was so funny. <laughs> in general, we kind of tell people to do 80-20 like 80 cash, 20 GPP, and then slowly work your way towards 60, 40, which is I what I think is probably a better thing. Some people just want to play all GPP, and I think it can work for a certain person who has the stones to have a week where you just win nothing. I don't know if you and I can handle that, of looking at it and say, like, I just zeroed out the entire week. I mean, it's happened before, but, like, that's just not how we want to roll. That's not how we want to uh, teach it to people. But, like, last week... I thought it was a really good week for GPP because it was a smaller slate and because there was a game that you and I liked more than anyone else. So that's kind of how we approach it. Uh, any other bankroll tips? 
Uh, I don't think so. I think we covered it. Again, it's just a matter of your goals. And you, I think the biggest thing is you don't want to be chasing your losses and you don't want to get overconfident when you have a big week. Yeah. And contest selection kind of goes hand in hand with your bankroll management. Are you playing only in the Millie Maker? Like I've, I've had some people that just say like, hey, every week I put in about $60 in the Millie Maker and I haven't won yet. It's like, well, you're just flushing your money down the toilet. Uh, I think that there's different ways that you can play the Millie Maker. I always put in at least one entry. I don't think it's a good contest, but only because I think I've had success just as a GPP player, but you know, haven't hit the Millie Maker yet, dude. This is the week. This, coming up. this is the week. Let's just let's just call it that this is the week that you and I uh we make it. So wrap it around. It's time for Rapid Round. All right, we're gonna answer these quickly, but the first question is what would you do if you did win the Millie? From Krusty Season on Discord. Easy answer for me. Travel wherever I wanted to, vacations here and there, see different sites. I I love to travel, so that would be my answer. Well, I've already decided this that if I do win, I'm gonna tell no one. Like I'm gonna tell like no you one. You would on the tell play. me no, 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 dude, no. the second no, things no. ended, you I've, would tell me right away. I've made this inner resolve that if I were to win the Millie, all right, and somebody will see like it on the leaderboard or whatever, that I don't want to tell anyone and I want my wife to find out from someone else. That's like my most exciting <laughs> like daydream moment is that she's like, This worked. You actually won. Uh but I probably um Man, I'd probably get if I had to buy something. Talk about like what I would want to buy. Probably be like a mountain house or a lake house. Like that. That sounds pretty great. Uh, Next question from Cornbread FF: What potentially high-scoring game would you fade in large field GPPs this week? I think one that I'm looking at fading, and this sounds kind of scary, is the KC indie game. And it's not because I don't think the Colts can get there. I don't feel the the Chiefs. Excuse me. I don't think the Colts can get there in the spot. So. I'm not necessarily excited about sacking it. That said, we love Pity City. But if there's one that's going to be high scoring that I think I might look to fade, they have a 50 and a half total. It might be that one. My quick take would be Eagles and Commanders, but it's my bias against those two teams. Um, all right, next question. What's the best feeling at the end of a long day? This one comes from Kendall Lowe. Is it A, getting into a hot shower, or B, getting under the covers? Oh, dude, you can't go to bed gross and sweaty. Like, that to me i hate that so I, I can't get in bed if i don't shower so to me it's a shower you shower every night before bed dude i used so before dad life i used to have a pretty strict routine where i would work out in the morning shower and then work and then i would be done but because of our situation i pretty much can only work out at like nine o'clock at night when the twins are asleep <laughs> so i can't like go to bed at 10 30 <laughs> sweaty so i have to every night i will say that i have definitely transitioned to this point of dad life where a shower before bed is great. I'm, I'm realizing it's good. I don't do it enough, and I get the rewards, though. So, But I will say a better feeling is when you are tired and you know you get to sleep because getting under the covers. I mean, that is a, that is a good feeling, man. Dude, These are both great. They're both great. And I'm my wife hates me for this because my, as soon as my head touches the pillow, I'm in like my third REM cycle. Like I will fall asleep instantly. So as soon as my feet slide under the covers, good night, lights out. Next question from Soulzilla. Who on the show has the highest spicy food tolerance? Does anyone go into a Thai place and order level five spicy? I'll let you answer first. So I don't know if I'm getting old, but I can't handle it the way I used to. And I just had this realization about two weeks ago when we had some spicy food. I think it was uh, Mexican. And I got the, the hottest salsa that was available. And I was struggling, dude. So I don't think I have the tolerance I used to anymore. I don't get the appeal of... I. First off, let me say I love Thai food. When my wife and I go out for dinner, it's either Thai or sushi. Those are our two favorites. So I love Thai food. Love some Penang curry. Could do that all day. But why would I get something that I have to struggle through it? Like I don't get the pleasure that people get of crying and then crying again (laughs) when you're on the toilet. Like those things, I don't understand that. So yeah, like give me a level one and I feel fine. I don't need this high T approach where I need to burn my butt. Amen. <laughs> Amen to that, brother. <laughs> All right, last one's from Connor Sheldon. What's the most underrated piece of advice for a soon-to-be parent? Congrats, Connor. Also, what's a new dad lesson you learned the hard way? Oh, man. Yeah, congrats. This is awesome. Um, I mean, I'm still learning, so I'm not the best person to ask, but I am someone who initially really struggled with the patience aspect. I'm a pretty patient person, 
but kids just make you so much more patient. And I think being able to take a step back from that situation, take a breath, kind of recalibrate really has helped me in many aspects of life. But that is one thing that get ready for it because it's going to have to happen. I'm going to say a piece of advice or a little, uh, little hack, a little pro tip here is that as a parent, you can turn almost anything you want into a game or a fun moment based on the tone of your voice and your inflection. So you could literally say anything. My kids are six and three. My boys, I could literally turn them on a dime whenever I want to. And I could say the most mundane thing like, hey, do you want some cereal? It sounds very boring. But I could be like, but do you guys want some cereal and they're like (laughs) yes let's go that's like one of the things that i want to make sure people understand is like it's you're not there to entertain them all the time but you are there to kind of change their mood or change them from just having a mundane and my kids are a little older than bets but um, i would say a hard lesson is just learning how to be present present like when you think i don't need to or i don't want to like just when your kids ask you something just do it. You're not like, I've never heard anyone say like, man, I wish I was less present for my kids. Like it's always the opposite. (laughs) So if your kids ask you something, even if it's something really stupid and mundane, uh, be willing to just get off your butt, get off your phone and do all that stuff. So that's a, that's a little dad moment of the day, dude. I feel like that was, that was a good wrap for the show. Come, come for the DFS advice. Stay for the parenting advice. If you want to play with us this weekend, you can go to ballersdfs.com. It will direct you to our DraftKings league Fantasy Footballers DFS Borg Plus Bets. You can join the league. Join our 600-person contest that's live right now and a contest that I added this week. I'm calling the Dollar Menu Contest of the Week. It's a showdown slate between the Texans and the Bears. Thoughts? Uh, I'm currently entering as we speak, so I'll see you in there. I think that's something I want to do every week is add a contest that people are just grossed out by. I had someone else that messaged me and said, I saw this contest and I said, "Ugh!" and then I immediately entered. And that's like the appeal. Like when you saw the notification for this, is that what you thought? Like, oh, Kyle's just being a turd. I was just confused. I was like, he definitely hit a wrong button or something. No, no. I want somebody to figure out the goodness that comes from the Texans and the Bears showdown slate. Should be a fun game. Bets, sign us off for the weekend. Ah, what a show got great parenting advice big mailbag lots of game stacks this week should be fun enjoy the football win some money send us your screenshots when you do we'll catch you next tuesday thank you for listening to another edition of the fantasy footballers dfs podcast Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.thefantasyfootballers.com.